and welcome back to my second episode of my podcast or video series, however you're viewing or listening, for my first DC comic breakdown. Just a quick explanation if you're new here, we are breaking down a whole reading list of comics for both Marvel and DC. Marvel will be posted on Mondays and DC on Thursdays. I choose my reading list based on lists created by Comic Book Herald, so I highly recommend checking them out, and they will always be linked in my show notes. Over with Marvel, I will be doing a pre-disassembled comics that I like until we jump into Avengers Disassembled, but over here in DC, they had a more firm reboot of their modern universe with New 52, which was launched in 2011 and then rolls right into Rebirth. I know that New 52 has a lot of mixed reviews and we'll talk about as we go through that. Um, but ultimately, I enjoyed most of what I read and hope that you guys enjoy them as well as we read them together. So how am I rating and reviewing? I do have sort of a rating system, but this is just my personal opinion and I don't expect anyone to take these ratings to heart. Mostly I'm looking for overall story, did it have meaning, and do I think it was told in a thoughtful manner? Next, I look at characters. Was there character development and thought put into the character interactions? I'm not looking for my favorite characters, just characters that have development through their issues and volumes. I look to see if the comic was easy to read. Could someone that normally doesn't read comics pick this up and understand it? Or even myself, sometimes I find stories just confusing. I want to be able to read through it and enjoy it without a lot of those what the fuck is going on moments. I look for good pacing. Is this issue easy to read? Am I bored to tears? Is it too much, too fast? There should be a nice balance of action and dialogue in comics. And then last but not least, the artwork. This is even more of a personal preference category. Like I said, this is just my opinion. However, I would love for you guys to check out these comics as well and rate them in that five categories and let me know what you think over on my Twitter, which is at Mayday underscore Maggie. I'd love to see that. I will also be doing brief summaries of each issue, which will contain spoilers, but these comics I'm looking at are older, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. Instead of starting in publication order for DC, I wanted to do this chronologically in the story, which puts us in zero-year comics. The start of the universe is year one, but then six years in, they did these like flashback issues after Death in the Family, which is where we're starting. So Batman Volume 4, Zero-Year Secret City. Secret City is all about Bruce Wayne's return to Gotham after about five years out in the world and presumed dead. There are three time periods we're focused on, both in this volume and in volume five. Bruce's time right before his parents' death into the parents' death, those missing years that he was out in the world, and then his present time in Gotham. In this issue, the time before his parents' death, we have Bruce, Bruce with his father, Thomas Wayne. Bruce has been sneaking into the city, and one important question here that Thomas asks is, what do you love about Gotham? Like, why do you keep going there? A question that Bruce will answer when he's an adult later. Also in this scene, he is given the Witch's Eye, which is an invention by Lucius Fox that takes a 360 degree recording of a room. Bruce has this with him moments later when he falls into the cave under Wayne Manor. 
In the missing years, we have three mm -hmm. short stories at the end of each issue that explains just some of the skills and ideologies he picked up, which really shape his mission as Batman. The first story is Where the Hell Did You Learn to Drive, where Bruce is working with a wanted man named Miguel as they flee from police. Bruce then traps Miguel, leaving him to be picked up by the police for his crimes. Just a reminder that Bruce Pretty has a pretty... Bruce has a pretty firm and unique moral compass. People will pay for killing, basically, and his later skills in the Batmobile. Then in the story, The One Time, we see Bruce where he gets his weaponry skills as far as building them on the fly and his basic engineering. He is locked in a room and will die if he cannot use these parts from broken items in a new way. He does manage to live and escape, obviously. And then in the pit, Bruce is in a fighting pit, which will not end until he kills an opponent. Bruce refuses and eventually just runs out of people that he hasn't fought or that are willing to face him, thus creating Bruce's killing rule. He doesn't do it. He will just find the strength to fight longer than his opponents. Now into the main timeline of the comic with the exception of the opening of issue 21, which is Batman in Gotham helping a boy escape after fishing in the subway. This is just a peek at what is to come in volume 5, Dark City, which is what this issue sets up, or this whole volume sets up. In the main timeline for this issue, he is not Batman at this point and wears Jessica any mask that will conceal his identity. Everyone still thinks at this point that Bruce Wayne is dead because he has been working in the shadows at a location in Crime Alley close to where his parents were murdered. Only Alfred knows of his return to Gotham and he claims this makes it easier for him to focus on taking down the Red Hood gang because he doesn't have to be in the public eye as Bruce Wayne. Later when talking with Alfred at his apartment, he explains that his goal or mission statement is to stop anyone else from having to experience what he did in the alley the night his parents died. Now to Red Hood. The Red Hood gang is truly an iconic group that Batman faces and is the birthplace of one of his most prolific enemies. He faces Red Hood 1 and his gang throughout this volume with the hard part really trying to make sense of the chaos. Red Hood 1 recruits by extortion, basically. He finds a way to force you to put on a mask and do horrible things. The beauty of this plan is that no one knows who's behind any of the hoods at any given moment, not even the other members of the gang. This doubles as a way of keeping his plan secret. No one gets the whole picture, really. He has the gang attacking so many targets, there isn't really a way to make sense of it all. Bruce's first encounter with Red Hood 1 that we see is Bruce rescuing a group of men from the back of a box van that have refused to put on the mask and join the gang. Bruce's fight gets a little muddled when Philip Kane discovers Bruce's return to Gotham. Philip is Bruce's mother, Martha's brother, so his uncle. He talks with Bruce about about coming out of the shadows with this trip to a giant penny and a story about his father coming and dragging him back to his own responsibilities, which Philip now feels he needs to do for Bruce. Since Bruce left Gotham and was then declared dead by Philip, Philip has consolidated King Chemicals into Wayne Enterprises and has been running Wayne Enterprise since. At this point, Philip fails to convince Bruce to come out of the shadows and takes take his place with Wayne Enterprises. When Philip returns to Wayne Enterprises, we learn that he has hired Enigma to help him run the business, which is obviously a huge red flag, especially since Enigma tells Philip that in order to fix all of their problems here at Wayne Enterprise, he needs to kill Bruce. 
into issue 22 about a month later bruce has another showdown with the red hood one and his gang this time the gang is trying to get their hands on wayne enterprise's sonic rifles that are being smuggled by luca falcone the cousin of the mob boss carmine falcone and then oswald cobblepot these weapons are supposed to be non-lethal but when properly tweaked can in fact liquefy people the best part is the real Oswald Cobblepot is tied up below and the one that is with Red Hood 1 is actually Bruce disguised. So he can stop Red, one, Red Hood 1 from getting his hands on the weapons. I love that Red Hood 1 tries to get Bruce to join him so they can become a duo of Gotham because they kind of do become an iconic couple of the city even though they aren't certainly aren't on the same side. In the fight after this conversation, Bruce does snag some DNA from Red Hood and then uses his electro adhesion boots that we saw him testing earlier with Alfred to escape. Unfortunately, the DNA is a dead end with no hits coming back, which follows with an argument with Bruce and Alfred as Bruce tests a prototype of the grappling hook. Like Philip, Alfred thinks that Bruce should be out fighting during the day as a Wayne and even thinks that doing it this way is almost cowardly because Bruce comes back at Alfred, which creates one of the best comic book moments when Alfred basically bitch slaps Bruce and then just leaves. Bruce then contacts Philip and they agree to meet at the museum at midnight. Bruce, Bruce's intentions are to talk about the weapons that Red Hood 1 acquired from Cobblepot, but Philip instead plans a surprise party uh, for Gotham to reintroduce him into Gotham society. Bruce immediately takes off, but doesn't leave the museum without running into Enigma first. This is of course an elaborate riddle that not only revealed to Bruce that Philip is selling the weapons to criminals, but opens up the door for some riddle stuff in the next volume, which will come up in two weeks. Bruce then leaves the museum, calls Alfred, and returns home. Unfortunately, the taxi driver was Red Hood 1, and the gang is already there to follow through with Nigma's orders to kill Bruce. I really like the Red Hood 1 monologue here about their connection. Now, they don't have a connection prior to this meeting, but in Red Hood's mind, they do, and it all stems from Martha and Thomas's death. For Bruce, this was obviously a pivotal, pivotal moment, but here, Red Hood 1 explains this was also a moment for him, one where he learned to embrace the chaos because the Wayne's murders were just a senseless chaotic death. Bruce is then beat, shot, and left for dead as we head into issue 23. Bruce returns for the first time to Wayne Manor where he is put back together by Alfred and discovers the witch eye which prompts him to take on the bat persona. So you can see how this went from an almost death to rebirth scenario. Meanwhile at Wayne Enterprises, Philip confronts Enigma about the hit he placed on Bruce and nat naturally Nigma was prepared for this. Instead of Philip firing Nigma, Nigma quits and uses the magnet that Philip was going to use on him to delete him from the system to then attract the metal plate in Philip's head, leaving him incapacitated while Nigma escapes. Once Bruce is back in action, he does so as Batman, which his first act is stringing up members of the Red Hood gang into a bat symbol on a billboard, followed by a scene with Red Hood punishing members of his gang for failing by filling them full of silica compound and sinking them into Gotham Harbor. Bruce then heads to dear Uncle Phillips for some help. Philip is surprised to see him since the explosion of Bruce's apartment made everyone assume that he was dead. 
again. Bruce discovers that not only is Philip a member of the Red Hood gang, specifically number 347, but he has also allowed for the gang to have access to Wayne Enterprises systems. And while some information may be, may be missing, there is enough here for Bruce to see the plan that Red Hood has been enacting. Now for the introduction of James Jim Gordon, who is currently a detective and assigned to check out what is going on at Ace Chemicals by Commissioner Loeb. Bruce Wayne is outside of the factory talking about the Red Hood gang and what their plan is. He then follows that with a speech about what he loves about Gotham and what it means to him, just like his father asked in the flashbacks. While Bruce is giving a speech, the gang attacks by launching a missile at him. Very subtle. Bruce heads into Ace Chemical, followed by Jim Gordon in this GCPD. Bruce immediately captured by the gang and then is saved by Batman with a clever trick on the lenses. After, as for Gordon, he gets locked out of the factory up until Alfred knocks out the power in the shape of a bat symbol. In all the chaos, gang member 347, or Philip Kane, takes a shot at Red Hood 1 and then is killed immediately, distracting Bruce, allowing for Red Hood 1 to get away, sort of. Batman is surrounded by the GCPD, but pretty easily outmaneuvers them to catch up with Red Hood 1. They fight with Red Hood 1, ultimately taking a bath in a vat of chemicals. In the aftermath of Red Hood 1 getting caught, the gang settles down with no one coercing them into crime. There are rumors from some of the gang members that Liam Distel was the leader, but he is later found dead in a barrel of lie, making it impossible to determine when he died. So if he was ever the leader, when did he stop being the leader? When did this new person take over? Like, nobody really knows the timeline of events. Alfred and Bruce have a heart-to-heart -heart clearing the air between them, and Alfred letting Bruce know he is very proud of him. In the last moments of the volume, we have Nygma knocking out the power to all of Gotham, which leads into Volume 5, Dark City. So, overall reading this comic. In overall story, I want to rate it high because I love the Red Hood gang and Batman, but this really is more of a between story. It gives some good origin explanation, but overall is just a setup for both Dark City and the rest of the Batman stuff, so I'll give it a 4.5. Now for characters, I think this volume really focused on character development of Bruce Wayne as he develops from just being Bruce into Batman. I love the way they seamlessly incorporated past stories with current timeline to connect the characters even further. So for the characters, I give it a 4.8. Was it easy to read? I thought so. If you're starting here, I think you get a good understanding of what's happening. Everyone knows most of these names because Batman is such a well-known character and as such the other characters are pretty recognizable and don't need much explanation. I'm not sure I can give an unbiased answer to this because I've read it several times now and I don't remember what it was like to read it for the first time. But I would say that it's definitely easy to read. So maybe like a four. Pacing, I think it was nice. Again, the bouncing from the past to the present was pretty seamless and meaningful. I think every page had something interesting to offer without being overwhelming, so I would give it a 4.8. And then artwork. I love the look of the artwork in these Batman comics. They do well mixing the gritty tones with the beautiful and vibrant reds and oranges and purples. Overall, good work with some really stunning work sprinkled throughout. I would also give this a 4.8. So averaging and rounding, that makes it a 4.6. I will admit that I am biased to Batman, so I feel differently 
I will admit that I am biased to Batman, so if you feel differently, I totally respect that. Next Monday, I'll be back with a Marvel breakdown for Deadpool Classic Volume 2, and then next Thursday, I will not be here for Volume 5 like I think I said earlier, but I will be here for the DC Comics Zero Year, which is a volume of compiled short stories from different heroes and their time in Gotham during Zero Year. So I hope you guys join me for those next week.